welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, Mayor Mondale Robinson, mayor of Enfield, North Carolina, founder of Black Male Voter Project, also remarkable Rebel HQ contributor. Should be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day. Donald Trump, former president of the United States, bashing his former attorney general, William, they call him Bill Barr. Let's go to it. Former President Donald Trump has now started to attack, not political opponents, but a guy not running for president. He attacked his former attorney general, Bill Barr, on Truth Social a Sunday. This was Sunday afternoon after it was only the beginning, as it turned out, speaking on New York's WABC radio with his longtime confidant, Roger Stone, who he pardoned back in 2020, by the way. Trump, at three different points in the conversation, went after Barr over his assessment that Trump is toast if half of what is charged in the 37 count federal indictment against him is true. This thing is a disgrace. Trump said of the indictment against him. And virtually everybody other than a low life like Bill Barr, who as you know, I terminated because he was gutless. He wouldn't do what you're supposed to do, but everybody says this is a disgraceful indictment. Really? Um, Everybody, Trump, Um, the people running against you, Don't seem to think so. Also, you're at about 31% in popularity. I'm gonna get into that in just a moment. Later in the interview with his um, crime buddy, Roger Stone, Stone posed a question to Donald Trump. Whether the man he installed as the nation's chief law enforcement officer was secretly working against him. Do you believe that former Attorney General Bill Barr is in fact part of the deep state? Stone asked, Trump refused to go quite that far. Um, Now, I wanna give you some insight here. These gentlemen, if I can call them that for the sake of the commentary, they planned the content before the interview. He knew the general direction of the questioning. It was the moment to say something against Bill Barr and to plant the new narrative. Now here's what will happen. Conservatives will start calling Bill Barr a member of the deep state. This is a way to discredit anything he says from this point beyond. That's all Trump needed to do. And in order for Trump, To do this successfully, he has to stop being the only one who basically puts the title of deep state on everybody. So Roger Stone is the guy with Donald Trump simply in the room. The base of Trump, they are well aware of what their orders are. This is also in an indirect way, jury tampering before the jury is selected. He's trying to influence the mass appeal as it relates to this narrative and the charges against him. There's more. I think he's a coward, he says. I think he's a coward who 
didn't do his job. He said adding, we had unbelievable people, as you know, in the administration. But we also had some that we got wrong, and Bill Barr was a mistake. The former president went on to take a personal shot at Barr, quote, and now he goes and he sits down. If they can you know, find a chair for him, because it's not that easy. And he sits down and he just obloviates, and it's disgraceful. Trump said, it's actually unpatriotic. It's so bad for our country, just so bad. But you know, he's got a lot of hatred. Trump literally is describing himself. Word for word, go back, read it, put Trump in your intent factor here, and it fits 100%. Trump literally is the personification of privilege. He can't see himself, he's unaware, he's not conscious. He has no ability to analyze his own behavior. Isn't that ironic, completely ironic that when he was running for president and all of the Christian evangelicals were supporting Donald Trump. Trump got a question during one of these interviews where the interviewer asked if Trump had ever asked God to forgive him. Trump thought about it and he said, you know, no, I haven't. Wait a minute, according to Christian evangelicals, You cannot be a born again believer unless you have repented, requested God to forgive you. That interview is still available on YouTube, has millions of views. That did not phase Christian evangelicals because their movement was never really about spirituality or righteousness. Their movement was a political movement at its core. And a political movement trenched in the ideology of white male dominance, that's what it was about. The Bible was just one avenue to get you there, politics was another. There's more, according to a new poll, even after Trump's indictment, according to a new poll from ABC News and Ipsos, which was conducted after the indictment against former President Donald Trump was announced. Trump's favorability rating stands at 31%. You may say, well, whoa, that's low, that's actually up. Six points from the last time the survey was conducted in early April. Trump's unfavorable rating comes in at 56%, which is down five points from where it was April. Now, let's talk about Biden's numbers because Biden's numbers are virtually the same as Trump's. Biden doesn't have multiple criminal indictments against him, endless civil lawsuits. Horrible negatives on record to the tune of Donald Trump. Why does Biden have such negatives, even inside of the Democratic Party? Failure of delivery, delivery of what you campaigned on. When I interviewed Vice President Harris, that interview was available for those who Google it. I made it very clear, you all are going to have a problem if you don't deliver. She pivoted to this, you know, well, we gave you Katanja Brown, Jackson. We gave you some things, but you did not give us the resume. You had a resume that did not get delivered. All right, we should see how it develops. Mr. Mayor, what are your thoughts about this continuing saga? A couple things here. I think people shouldn't breeze over 
this this idea of the Biden disapproval ratings equal or favorability ratings equal to Trump's because of their lack of ability to deliver. That is a real thing. Black people aren't used to getting their way in America. So we're not asking the Biden administration to show up in a way where you give us everything you said. But what we don't like is when you swear on your last name, like he did standing in Georgia, saying if black people gave him the two senators that we gave him in 2020, when we gave him the White House, that he would fight like hell to make us his priority, make our issues his priority. What black people have not seen from this administration is that we are a priority to them. We've not seen a fight. You can lose fighting for black people and wouldn't lose any support. His favorabilities favorabilities would have been a lot higher had he been fighting on our behalf. You can't wait to midterm election to start talking about the justice, I mean the George Floyd Act. You can't wait to midterm to start talking about controversial issues when you had control of both of that legislative branches. So on top of that, on top of that, you, you go back to Donald Trump, like you said, he's projecting to the utmost. We know that. Bill Barr has one of the greatest resumes as it pertains to uh, Republican bona fides. This guy worked with Ronald Reagan, then George H.W. Yeah. And then this, so in, in, in any normal terms, Bill Barr would be the epitome of what Republicans were looking for, not Donald Trump. But like you said, Christian nationality has become uh, Donald Trump's nationality, which is all about whiteness and white male privilege. And I think right. um, America can pretend all they want to and the 31% of people that support Trump can pretend all they want to, but this is a white movement, period. Yeah, um, stoked in an, in an ideology we have deemed to be inappropriate for this country. A cop fired for punching a woman handcuffed because he got mad. Here it is. Give me my paper back. Yeah, see how he instigates. Can you speak to me then? Yeah. Don't sit. Oh, hey. See what he does. Back off. See what he does. Back off. I want video of that. I want video of that. Sit down. I want video of that. I want video of that. I want video of that. He punched me in the face. Sit down. I like video of that. I didn't touch it. My hands are handcuffed. Did you see that? I have my handcuffs. I can't even fight back. Put up the picture full mass. You see, one day a real one is going to be in the room. And a real cop is going to see something like that. He's going to look to the cop. And say, turn your ass around, you're under arrest. One day that will happen. This cop has been fired. He should have been indicted, should have been arrested. Now, for those who may say, and keep the picture up, well, Doc, that was assault. Yes, it was. But the officer did not have to punch anyone to eliminate the threat. She was handcuffed. Additionally, you don't know what was happening in that moment with her mental health or anything else. And lastly, an officer is the one who takes the oath to uphold the law. That citizen took no oath, the officer did. Officer Russell Maranto, a Loveland, Colorado police officer was fired 
after allegedly punching a handcuffed woman who appeared to spit on him in a hospital examination room at the hospital, okay? In body camera footage from the May 20th incident shared Friday by the Loveland Police Department, the woman identified as Angelia Hall, almost 60 years old, spat toward the floor while she continues to demand that they return the piece of paper to her. She continues to yell before doing it toward the officer. In a video statement Friday, the chief, his name is Tim Doran. He praised the second officer for stepping in and said that the officers were, and I quote, verbally harassed by excessive profanity and periodic racial slurs. That's what he said. He said a supervisor was called to the examination room and the incident immediately reported. Loveland, our police department is filled with brave, respectful, and honorable public servants. And we all agree inappropriate conduct will never be tolerated or downplayed by your department, he says. Well, Chief, uh, he physically struck a handcuffed individual. You fired him because it was illegal, not because it broke office policy. You don't have an office policy that says, hey, you can't do this. You don't need that office policy. You know why you don't need it? Because you have a law that says you can't do it. There's more. The district attorney's office, DA's office, still looking into this, considering criminal charges against Officer Maranto, 28 years of age, police said. Hall was charged with third degree assault, police said. At the time of the incident, the officer had been with the department for less than a year. It's not clear if he has an attorney who could speak on his behalf. The police union did not immediately return a request for comment on Saturday. Hall could not be contacted, all right? Um, the police, police department came under fire in 2020. This is another dynamic, let's put it up. In 2020, and a now former officer injured an elderly woman with dementia during an arrest. The officer, Austin Hopp, pleaded guilty to charges related to that arrest of Karen Garner and was sentenced to five years in prison. Seems to me, Chief, your officers have a hard time keeping their hands off of people with handcuffs on their wrist. Um, once again, police reform is required, but you gotta stop thinking reform and start thinking replacement. And even when replacement happens, there has to be accountability. You and I saw a criminal act. She got charged. She got charged for what she did to the officer. The officer has not been charged. Wait a minute, the same investigators are looking at the same tape. If you are able to be a detective and figure out, well, this is a crime, what she just did. How is it that all of a sudden it takes you weeks, months, a year to figure out what he did was a crime too? The math doesn't add up. All right, Mr. Mayor, you being a mayor, you have to provide supervision to your city, including police. What did you see? I saw the exact definition of what's wrong with policing in this country. First of all, you see this guy antagonizing. She's already in a handcuff. You don't have to put your hands on her. Why are you still engaging in the conversation if she's being racial, if she's hitting you with racial slurs, if she's cursing at you, which is not a crime? Why are you still engaging with her in a manner that's gonna antagonize the situation? We already know it's a hostile situation. She's in an examination room, which tells us something has already happened. So why why not defuse the situation by walking out? She can't hurt herself. She's in handcuffs and then you punch her in the face. 
This, this, this police chief, the department and all can say whatever they want to. You have a problem, the same problem that all of this country has. It's our policing department, it's not meant to maintain and handle people that are having mental issues. And we not, I'm not saying that this woman was having a mental issues, but the fact that you're sitting interrogating or, or investigating or antagonizing her, all of this is the problem. And then the DA is still looking into possibly charging this person. He punched her in the face, had a civilian punch the police officer in the face. Every police in there would have had their knee on the back of their, that person's neck. I can't understand for the life of me why this police officer is getting a pass. Right, and once again, Chief fired the guy quickly, all right? So we all know what happened. A teenager found decomposing inside of an SUV. Nobody, nobody noticed, nobody checked. Put up the picture. The body of a teenage child was found in a stolen SUV that had crashed and was then taken to a city tow lot. Now questions are looming over how authorities did not initially discover the body of who family members have identified as 17 year old James Stokes. According to WTMJ News, authorities towed a stolen white Kia SUV to the lot after they were called to the scene where it crashed into a tree near North 91st Street. This happened Thursday, June 1st. They discovered that the vehicle was stolen and they took the driver who was a 16 year old child to the hospital. Officers arrested him after he received treatment for his injuries. The car which has uh, which was severely damaged by the crash, was towed to a lot located at 3811 West Lincoln Avenue, not very far. Then days later on June 5th, June 5th, Milwaukee police got a call that morning for service at the tow lot. When they arrived, they found a body on the floor of the back seat of that stolen SUV. Now police alongside Milwaukee Public Works officials are trying to determine how the teen's body wasn't immediately found at the scene. There's more. In the days after the crash, King and her family put up flyers and made posts on social media about the disappearance of the young Mr. Stokes. King told Fox 6 News Milwaukee that she attempted to file a missing persons report shortly after the crash, but was told that not enough time had passed for authorities to address his case. She knew he was with a friend that night, and the friend was in fact injured in that crash near 91st. The Milwaukee Police Department does have a procedure for searching towed cars. The protocol states in part, for the safety of members, Towed vehicles shall be thoroughly searched. Let me say it again. For the safety of members, towed vehicles will be thoroughly searched. The search shall encompass the entire vehicle accessible by key, including the passenger compartment, glove box and trunk. This is the second time in two years a body has been left inside of a wrecked car and was taken to the tow lot in Milwaukee. For this to happen one time 
in the lifetime of a police agency is too many. For this to happen twice within the span of a couple of years is systematic. Uh, there is a culture obviously of neglect. And if you refuse to do the very basic things like um, check the car, how are you investigating cases and gathering evidence? I don't understand because investigations require thorough review. Thorough review is required for judicial presentation. Judicial presentation is required to get actual criminals off the street. See how that works? So you have a police department engaging in this level of negligence. Please keep in mind, we simply know about two. I guarantee you there's much more behind that. Uh, Mr. Mayor, what is this? This this is a, they can't say they have a policy <laughs> of checking cars for the safety of the members because we see that they don't. And just as you said, we know about two because of bodies. What would have happened if something else, something more nefarious was in that car, a bomb say? You're just hitching cars to tow trucks. Everybody who had a case doing something or that had something to do with this tow yard, I would bring it back before the DA. This is disgusting to me. The fact that a black body laid there decomposing and the mother was looking for her kid immediately after this situation. Who, who, who was in charge of this investigation? Clearly no one, no one responsible. They towed the car, so many people involved in what was supposed to happen that did not happen. And it looks so, so bad for a police department that already has so many problems. Yeah, Again, and police right. are not safe in communities. Exactly, and listen, there's a black kid, there's a black child who deserves justice. This deserves to be solved. And the person or people who did it need to be brought to justice, period. But you lose precious time to do that level of investigation when you decide not to do the bare, bare minimum to make sure that every citizen is afforded the opportunity at justice, period. The mother needs justice, somebody killed her baby. All right, we'll keep you updated as the story develops. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Mo Fury says, I hope Trump's prison sentence includes two hours a day of forced therapy and a kale salad. That'll do it. Forced therapy and a kale salad. No more McDonald's. He won't last a week. All right, Trista, the great Trump irony is that if he accepted the 2020 election, and return the classified documents based on the current polling. He would have a road back to the White House without a sweat. <laughs> so correct, you're so right, you are so correct. I mean, the man would probably be leading Biden by like 20 points right now if he didn't get it in, in, in his own way. So thankfully he did, gives us a chance in hell. Moon Dragon, thank you, Moon Dragon. I appreciate this. Love Land again. They sure love assaulting older women there. See the pattern. Tyler Hackner, thank you so much. Gifted one indisputable membership. Really appreciate you. Another one. All right. Thank you again. Soul Life, welcome to Indisputable. Soul Life gifted five memberships and then came back and did 20. Thank you very much. Uh, and Twitch. 
Jesse James, 702, Trump needs absolute loyalty. But look how he does his totals. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on him for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel right. Back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Flight security of the year. So they found the item and let me contextualize this properly. Um, this is at the five below store, okay? Um, that's too much energy, in my opinion, uh, to stop someone from stealing at the five below store and to steal at the five below store. A lot of energy here, but I wanna remind you, and I got more video, I wanna remind you of a few things. The security guard, loss prevention guy, um, he's not trying to assault her. He is just trying to get the item out of the bag that obviously he saw her put in the bag. And they let her go. They actually allow her to leave once the item is retrieved. That's to contrast what we have seen in recent weeks where a security guard was allowed to kill a person, shoplifted. I mean, they went all the way outside before they did the killing, the shooting. Also, one person got in their car, ran over an alleged shoplifter from one of these stores. He didn't do any of that. He got the item and he let her leave. Um, but then she came back and tried to explain why she stole it. It was interesting, here it is. A few moments later. I'm losing your job, your bozo. I was gonna return it. Bozo. I can't wait. I can't wait. She was going to return it. Now I gotta say this. Once again, they let her leave. Come back in, talk ish, leave again. Nobody arrested her, nobody even threatened to. Look at the video, they retrieved the item. I have to say, 
this is such a contrast to what we have been seeing around this country. Um, now, once again, I am not for assaulting someone because they committed petty theft, right? Human life is more important than that. But you clearly saw they weren't interested in trying to harm this person, like physically um, be vengeful, like we've seen in other cases. So this was a little different. Mr. Mayor, thoughts here. Yeah, listen, I, I, we 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 can have a we are brave enough and and strong enough to have a nuanced conversation. The behavior that makes you a Karen is not shoplifting because you are poor. We're not talking about poverty and the effects it has on people and why they take things. We understand that America is extremely expensive, um, and and only benefiting for the most part the top one percent of this country. We see right. that. We understand that, but what we're talking about is the behavior, the whiteness in all of this, her ability to walk out that store unharmed, yes. unchoked or dead Definitely. and come back in there again with that same energy, that same whiteness. That is a real thing and that that is not tied to poverty, that is tied to the way this country is set up and operates, period. Well said. Hell of a thing, guy goes to Walmart. Gets his items, has a receipt. This still happens to him. Here it is. I got it. Just, hey, just stop. Stop fighting it, okay? Look at me. Here's a receipt, bro. Read it, dumb. Get off me. Read my receipt. Read it. It's went to Read my receipt. Read my receipt. Is this supposed to hurt me? No. They, they, they. Can you read my receipt? They, they. Get the. Baby, please, please. Can you have him read the receipt? He's not doing nothing wrong, officer. Baby, stop. Baby, put your hands behind your back. Okay, calm down, I will. Baby, do it. Just do it, baby. I'm gonna break your nose. Do it now. Okay, okay. He didn't do it. I can't behind my we didn't steal nothing. Why, why was it? Why was it accused? Why was it? Why was it accused? He had no reason to be accused. So he had to prove his innocence before they prove he's guilty. So, so the, the burden of innocence. Oh my God! Read the. So the law is burning, burning on innocent and not burning of guilt. I, I'm not getting next to these. They, they'll throw me down like that. Hey, there's his receipt that he got accused of stealing. Look, she handed him this receipt. Everybody, everybody, it was like a chorus. They were singing the same tune. He has the receipt, there's the receipt. But officer, he has a receipt. The officer couldn't hear any of that because he was um, committed to the job of arresting someone who did not deserve it. Police in Kansas City, Kansas are now investigating 
This encounter recorded on video that shows a man being held down by multiple officers in a Walmart superstore on Thursday. Christopher Inlow, an uncle of the man in the video, posted on TikTok. Said his nephew had gone into the store to get food for his family. He said his nephew was accused of stealing pizza and was tackled by officers. The Kansas City, Kansas Police Department said the incident is being reviewed to determine whether the three officers involved complied with policy. Before I give you more background, I cannot dismiss the policy of Walmart. Walmart has a zero tolerance policy for theft. They prosecute virtually every permeation of it, even some misunderstandings end up going the criminal route until exoneration occurs. So believe this, if you believe nothing else, those officers felt very comfortable inside of Walmart because of the policy of Walmart, all right? There's more. Police said, uh, police said review of the incident began before the video, which was recorded by Enloe and verified by NBC News. Was shared online. In low said he called his 24 year old nephew to bring him some gas after his vehicle broke down in front of the Walmart. After his nephew left, In low said he realized the vehicle still would not start and asked his nephew to return with jumper cables. His nephew went inside to get food while In low waited for his vehicle to start, he said. Less than 10 minutes later, a woman went to Enlo's car and told him his nephew was being tackled by officers, according to Enlo. Enlo said his nephew told him a police officer had asked if he had a receipt for his purchase. And after he said he did, he continued to walk away. In the video, people standing around can be heard telling officers that the man had a receipt and that he had been next to them in line paying. The officer then ran up, grabbed his nephew by the neck, threw him into a vending machine. The nephew said, according to in-law. The video shows the interaction after the nephew is already on the ground and is being held down by an officer. So what's the scene here? Um, so the officer, um, I, I guess he is enforcing receipt in hand, whatever statute that may be. Hey, do you have a receipt for that? Yeah, I do, keep walking. Let me tell you why that's important. Number one, that is an exercising of rights. You see, the officer is a governmental official. In order to get anything off of me, in order to get anything that is my property, you need one or two things, a warrant or justification of a crime, and you can search me. But you had neither. So already this is constitutionally prohibited because you are a cop, sir. You have certain restrictions into your interaction with people. There's more. In a statement, the police department said the officers will be held accountable based on the outcome of the investigation. The KCKPD expects all officers to follow all policies, procedures, and the law when interacting with the public, police said. Walmart said it will not comment until police had released their report into the incident. And I guarantee you, if there's any way for them to spin this, um, 
you can't spin it and say the guy stole anything. You just, he had a receipt, that's a done deal. But if they can spin it to say, but when he did this, it seems suspicious. And under that suspicion, the officer investigated and decided to engage, right? Um, this is one of those public private partnerships that has no memo. There's no MOU. They're just understood. They work together, right? A guy who already is having a bad day. I mean, his car broke down. The man buys a pizza. Everybody in the damn Walmart, except for the cops who are supposed to be detectives, are aware he purchased the pizza. They hear nothing. There's no reasonableness at all from these officers. Where's the humanity? Officers, I hope somebody gets you this video and I want to ask you a question. Uh, what if this was your brother, maybe father, uncle, good friend? Would you say the cops that did this to him are good cops, were acting in good faith? No, you would say, those cops are jerks. Why would they do my brother like that? And so I'm saying, these cops are jerks. Why would they do my brother like that? You see, we're all connected, every single one of us. And once we understand that we are all connected in this experience called life, maybe we start acting as if we give a damn about the humanity of the next. Mr. Mayor, thoughts? Uh, you, sir, just laid out the problem with policing in America. Again, America's history, if you know the history of police, the history of police in this country were not to protect individuals, especially not poor people, working people. It was about businesses That's having right. someone protect their stuff. Walmart using the public dollars and police in our uniforms to accost people in this manner over a 79 cent or a dollar and 59 cent pizza. The man had the pizza box laying beside him right. on the floor. He had a receipt. Neither one of the officers that came after he was already on the floor even looked at the receipt. They didn't care about it. When they dragged him away, somebody had to give the officer, the third officer, the receipt. And the police department talking about after their investigation is over? Are you telling me you have a policy after we've seen so many black men be killed by knees on the neck? You still have a policy where that's legal? Because that was happening in that video. We saw a knee on the neck in a video 300 miles from Ferguson where this country caught on fire for the killing of a black boy. Yeah. We saw this. We also saw officers trying to break this man's arm. He took his arm, bent the back, put his knee on the edge of the joint. That is a wrestling move. We cannot sit static and act as if this is normal. Walmart has a role in it, absolutely, because like you said, their policy is to go after everybody for anything. And even while they're even while they're robbing the taxpayers because 40% of their employees are qualifying for welfare. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. And then on top of that, you using police departments as if it's a public service when in actuality you're being cheap because you're not paying a security form or firm to do the service. I hate the idea that we work in a country or live in a country where business can take advantage of public like this. And the idea that this these officers are not already charged. Is yeah, again yeah. what I will say, the problem with policing in this country. Yeah, accountability, none of this is difficult. It simply takes will. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Let me say something about my dear brother, the mayor. 
uh, is like in the middle of the night uh, where he's at. And he is being very gracious uh, to make sure he can still join us live, man. Talk, talk to us about your journeys and uh, how you are sacrificing right now in order to broadcast. Uh, I wouldn't call it a sacrifice. Anytime I'm standing beside you, learning from you, uh, it's a blessing. But I am uh, celebrating my wife's 40th birthday here in Greece. And it's around uh, 1020 right now. And she's sitting beside me laughing and enjoying the show just like I am, brother. We both fans. That's, so, that's so beautiful. Thank you all, man. That's very nice. Uh, you are now going to make the bar really high for me. <laughs> I appreciate all you do, brother. Okay. We got some comments I'll read as many as I can. Lynn says, I wish the same energy that went into attacking shoplifters went into resolving the reasons for shoplifting in the first place. There you go, Will. Also, I think this is Savitas Vox, I believe. Dr. Richie, look up target targets fixation. This is what many of these incidents have in common. All officers should be trained about Target fixation, that's what it is, target fixation, I got it. All officers should be trained about situational awareness. It is a safety matter, that's correct. Yeah, target fixation, I'm gonna look that up. C. Michael Henson, thank you C. Michael. I'm so glad that the Karen thief was not harmed, but that look in her eyes, I would've just let her go. What in the world was she stealing? Uh, C. Michael again, thank you again. Uh, it had nothing to do with the receipt. These officers wanted to use this as an opportunity to impose physical dominance over anyone lacking prowess. Trudy Lawrence, remember for 10 months, thank you. I heard of $5 prostitution. Now we have $5 below Karen, no killing or pimp violence, that's right. 32 Antoine, uh, get the five indisputable memberships. We appreciate you so much. Twitch, go DJ, wait, police are investigating police. Oh, we are gonna get proper justice. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Um, I don't know how to say this, but to just say it. Dead raccoon left on the mayor's doorstep. Let's put up the picture full mask. Okay. In Oregon, a person reportedly left a dead raccoon along with a hate filled message at the front door of the Redmond mayor, Ed Fitch's law office. The note, which the mayor calls racially hateful and intimidating, mentions both him and a black politician, Councilman Clifford Evelyn. The Redmond Police Department and city manager, Keith Witkowski, were immediately contacted upon discovery, prompting the police to begin investigating the June 5th incident as a possible hate crime. Quote, it was clear in my mind, a hate message mostly towards the counselor, Evelyn Fitch said, the mayor who is white, did not go into details about the sign, but said he felt bad for the council person. It seems there are some people in town that can't accept the fact that Clifford is black and is on the city council. He said in an interview with the bulletin. Evelyn is a retired police officer, ironically, was elected to office in 2021 with the promise to be a voice for the people of Redmond. As a voice that represents character, integrity and transparency. Evelyn is not afraid to talk about his views on critical race theory. He believes the community, including educators, churches and families, all have a responsibility to teach American history honestly. He believes the only way to do so is to present it void of perspectives that promote hate filled conversations of racism 
which he believes is destructive of society. Let's put up the chief. Um, and, and before I get to the chief, I just want to say this. If the councilman would have simply, um, while he was a cop, just shot a black person, uh, that raccoon would not have been at the office of the mayor. Raymond Police Chief Devin Lewis released a statement saying, and I quote, no tolerance for hate speech of any kind against any person or group. He continues, we will work swiftly to resolve this case and seek to hold those who did this to our community responsible. Police are requesting community members to step forward with any information about the incident. Let me give you some town stats of Redmond. It is a town less than 40,000 people. Of those residents, more than 89% of them are white. Less than 1% identifies black or African American. That's according to the US Census data. Um, and with those stats, sir, uh, I'm going to say this is going to be an unsolved crime. Now, if it does get solved, I will bring it to you right here on Indisputable. I do have a question uh, about the mayor. Uh, you have a law office, you're the mayor. Why don't you have a camera, ring video doorbell, something? This person left it right on your front um, steps of your business. Most people would assume that a business, especially the caliber of business that you have, a law firm and you're the sitting mayor, that you have a camera. So I'm going to give you your first clue, sir. Whoever did this has been in your office before, and they are aware that you have no camera located in that vicinity. Tell the police chief I gave him that one for free. All right, Mr. Mayor, you are the mayor of a town yourself, right? Security is an issue. I mean, a ring video doorbell is the bare minimum that you should have in front of your building. What do you think happened here? I listen. This is a don't we can't we can't untie this from Oregon's long history of anti-black. <laughs> yeah. This is a state that one time made it illegal for black people to be there, right? Illegal for black people to be there. So we should we should definitely consider that. Here's here's what's our, the irony of it. Because it was late, left at the business of the white person involved in this situation. It's a national story. We hear about it. We get notice of it. People forget. I mean, you you covered the story when I tore down a monument, Doc. Yep. That we were getting death threats, are getting death threats on a regular basis. My wife, myself, so much so that we had to have security at times. Now North Carolina is no North Carolina law enforcement. Not not the town where I, I live. Not the state police are investigating them death threats. The idea that this is this is not an anomaly in this country is so sad, and it's also. A point that we shouldn't be surprised that black people in Oregon and anywhere are still getting death threats for speaking up about the the harms of black people, especially when we see white nationalism on the rise like it is right now in this country. Yep, there you go. All right, we will update if there's an update coming. A mother recruits her daughter after killing the daughter's grandmother. Candace Craig, 44 years of age, has been charged with first and second degree murder in connection to the death of 71-year-old Margaret Craig. Her daughter is 19. The 19-year-old, Celia Hardy, has been charged with accessory after the fact because authorities claimed she helped her mother attempt to dispose of the grandmother's remains. 
so sad. Police claim Candace allegedly murdered her mother on May 23rd, following an altercation, and then had her daughter dispose of the remains, which had were, were reportedly being kept in a blue bin in her bedroom. While police were still working on identifying a motive, according to the press release, police responded to the family home in the 200 block of Hill Road about 1.35 PM. This was on Friday, Friday after an unidentified 911 caller said they had not heard from Margaret Craig and were worried about her welfare. Candace Craig answered the door and allowed officers inside to search the home. When police entered the basement, they recognized the smell of putrefaction and observed blood tissue on the floor where three white plastic trash bags were located. The documents also revealed that police found a knife on the floor of the basement and recovered a chainsaw, cutting utensils, cleaning materials scattered nearby. They also found blood splattered throughout the basement. Candace Craig is charged with first degree murder. Her daughter is charged with accessory. A preliminary hearing for Candace is scheduled on July 3rd. Um, she's being held without bond. Uh, this is what you call a tragedy beyond belief, beyond belief. I'm covering this story because number one, I want you to check on folk that you know, okay? Check on them. The reason why there's some level of justice here is because somebody cared enough about the grandmother to not simply knock on the door, but to call 911 and say, I haven't heard from her. Can somebody check on her? This is not like her. Police did check and they were able to find all of the incriminating evidence necessary to effect an arrest. Also, for young folk, I mentor a lot of young people. If somebody loves you, let me be very clear. If somebody loves you, truly loves you, and they do something horrible, they do something that's irrevocable, and they know they're going down. There's nothing anyone can do to take it back. If they love you, you are the last person they will call. All right, Jordan, thoughts here. This is this is horrible. Thoughts go out to you know fa surviving family members who are affected by this, and I just I don't know what would cause somebody to do this, but wish they would have gotten the help that they needed to prevent this from ever happening. It's it's really tragic. Um, you see disturbing stories like this, and you always wonder why, and then we move on. <clears throat> you know, not that it's going to be a one size fits all approach, but a better investment in mental health services and community resources to get people the help they need well before they even do anything like this. It's just, it again, through this story and other stories we've talked about and will continue to talk about, yeah. they're all just reminders of how people have issues within themselves, within their minds that go unaddressed for years and it festers into something like this. And this is how it manifests.
we can prevent these if we took better care of each other. We took better care of our society and people within it. Part one step of that process is a better investment in, in mental health services. Yeah, all right. The neighbor who killed a black mother who was not arrested until a national movement told the cops you got to arrest her. Well, she has a long history of being aggressive and violent. Let's put up the picture for a mass. We were able to deduce some of this from the initial report. Now we have it confirmed. 58 year old Susan Lawrence, a white female who was arrested and charged in the fatal shooting of a black mother. Black mother, mother of four. AJ Davis was her name. She admitted to detectives that she called the victim's children racial slurs in the months leading up to the incident. According to neighbors, the killer has a history of harassing children. And since her arrest, they've been exposing her erratic behavior towards them. Phyllis Wills, at 33 years of age, has lived in the neighborhood for about 15 years. She knew Owens and knew of Lorenz, the killer. Quote, because she used to come outside all the time and harass our kids, she said. Everybody in this neighborhood has feuded with this lady over our children. Sharna Moselle, 36, who has lived in the neighborhood for about 12 years, said the killer was a problem with kids. Lorenz used, used to come outside and she used to record them constantly. And she would just flick them off while she's recording the kids, calling them out their names. Said the mother of four children ranging in age 10 to 19. Mama, Karen called the police on us today. Moselle said her daughter would tell her. From learning on her, from leaning, excuse me, on her horn, waving guns, guns in the air and speeding around children in her truck. Lorenz is accused of doing everything possible to torment little kids from being little kids. Though the scene of Owens shooting sent a shockwave from house to house. Now I got more, but let me just provide some insight right here. She weighs guns toward children. She harasses them, calls them racial slurs drives her car in an aggressive manner around them. I want you to imagine if this was a black male doing the exact same thing, walking out of his home, waving guns at children, calling them racial slurs, driving his car in an aggressive way as if to harm them. See, this is why racism is deadly. Because if they would have treated Miss Lawrence, the killer, as she presented herself, the black mother is likely alive today because the threat would have been removed. This is why racism is deadly. There's more. Susan Lorenz, 58 years of age, admitted to detectives that she did, in fact, call the children the N word. One child told deputies that the night of the shooting, Lorenz came out of her house, gave the children the middle finger, and also said this, get away from my house, you black slave, according to the report. 
According to the sheriff's timeline, Lorenz called the department at 8.54 p.m. on the night of the shooting to say kids were threatening her and trespassing. She had previously placed no trespassing signs in the grassy areas despite those being shared areas and not part of her rental property. Lorenz said in court, she does not own the property in which she shot and killed a black mother from. You gotta connect the dots, cause and effect. Okay, this never should have happened. Mother knocks on the door. The tragedy on top of the tragedy is that Lorenz was not arrested. It was a murder. The police report even said she hit a kid by throwing an object at the kid earlier. Still, she wasn't arrested at the time. They could have at least arrested her on child abuse charges, kept her in for the period of time to investigate for the murder charge. Easy, easy, low hanging fruit. Mr. Mayor, thoughts? Uh, unfortunately, in America, a white woman is never low hanging fruit. Even when a case is cut and dry, is what you just laid out. It is absolutely disgusting that this person is in this neighborhood where she does not own the house. And I'm not talking down on renters. But the idea that you went beyond the yard that you were renting and put no trespassing signs in shared spaces to keep black people out of those spaces is undeniably disgusting and by definition, the problem and the privileges of white people in this country. Not all white people, but those who subscribe to the idea that black kids are still slaves and that they are the N word to them. This is disgusting on so many levels. This, the landlord of this property should be questioned. How is this person renting a house with a neighborhood that seems like it's filled with kids and she's got a long history of harassing these kids? Check you renting your property to. This racist white woman should be able to rent from anyone. Now she's gonna live rent free, hopefully for the rest of her life in prison. Yeah, and you bring up a great point about the landlord. If if this landlord known or should have known um, of the potential here, uh, there may be a liability. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. There's an update to the Central Park Karen, believe it or not. This Karen decided to Karen to the very end. Let me remind you of the original video and I will give you the update to this. Here it is. Sir, I'm asking you to stop. Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording me. Please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to me. I'm taking a picture of calling the cops. Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm gonna tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. There is an African-American man, I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. <laughs> I'm being threatened by a man in the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. Remember that? Um, that man could have died that day, okay? Could have also been severely charged if he had not had that video, okay? All right, now she decided to sue some folk. Uh, let's do this, let's get into it. The woman dubbed Central Park Karen 
lost an appeal after an appellate court refused to reinstate a lawsuit against her former employer. The second US Circuit Court of Appeals in Manhattan declined to reinstate Amy Cooper's lawsuit on Thursday in a three to zero decision. She argued her former former employer, Franklin Templeton, illegally fired her on the basis of race and defamed her by branding her as a racist, according to Reuters. Man, she got some bad legal advice there. Uh, Amy went viral, uh, as we all know. Let's put up the brother um, who was there bird watching. Talk about the most peaceful thing in the world, all right? So Amy went viral on social media for calling the police on Christian Cooper. Isn't it ironic they share the same last name? Hmm. Connections. Christian Cooper in May 2020 after he asked her to put her dog on a leash. Amy claimed that Christian was an overzealous bird watcher and the incident had nothing to do with his race. What? But you made it about race, ma'am. You you were the first one to talk about African American black man attacking me and the dog. You had to put the dog in the lie? That was required? Okay. She was fired the next day from a job. Franklin Templeton, where she worked as an assurance portfolio manager. The company did an internal investigation and released a statement that read, We do not tolerate racism of any kind. She was also charged by the Manhattan DA in July 2020 with falsely reporting an incident in the third degree. The charge was eventually dropped. We reported on that right here after she attended a therapy session or therapy sessions on racial bias. I'm sure that worked. Christian chose not to cooperate in DA's investigation to pursue charges against Amy in 2020. Amy originally filed the lawsuit in May 2021, but it was dismissed by a US district judge, Ronnie Abrams. That was September 2022. She claimed that she was also being discriminated against by her former employer because of her sex, okay? And the company defamed her and caused her emotional distress. Meanwhile, Christian is set to host a new television show called Extraordinary Birder with Christian Cooper, premiering on National Geographic. Later this month, I would like everyone to support and check it out. All right, good guy wins, bad person loses. That's how it works. Mr. Mayor, thoughts? Listen, I I, I don't understand where, why Peter is so quiet on this. She was literally almost about to hang that dog. With, right. She was the one <laughs> exactly. that was the dog. I I am I'm super excited that this brother got a TV show out of this. I'm upset that he didn't uh, go along with the DA's investigation because it's not just about yourself in these yeah. situations. Every black person that comes into contact with this woman is in danger, and we see that training did not help her because she's still at it. Yeah, yeah, it was quite interesting. Uh, she claimed they were racist for firing her for being racist. God, oh my. Man, if I had that kind of confidence, sir, I would be president of the United States. All right, Mr. Mayor, I appreciate you coming on the program. As always, dear brother, tell people I think follow you, check out your great work. Yeah, I'm, I'm at Mundell Robinson on all social media platforms, and please check me out on Rebel HQ. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. All right, the bullpen is next. Stick and stay.
All right, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. All right, we have Ms. Lee Carter. Ms. Lee Carter oversees a diverse range of communication and language strategy, has worked for Fortune 100 and 500 companies, a very sought after communication expert. I thought we would bring on the program and talk about the communication from Donald Trump's camp. Okay, this is going to be interesting, Ms. Carter. We are going to chop it up about Donald Trump, the latest indictment, the spin that's coming from the right. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about the charges and the conversation around it. So if you would, give us your sentiment and I will then opine. <laughs> so uh, I find this whole thing absolutely fascinating because in many ways it is completely counterintuitive. You would think anybody undergoing indictments, plural, would become less popular. Uh, people would want to see them not run. You would think that you would you would say that somebody else might be better served to run, but that's exactly the opposite of what we're seeing in the polls. In fact, um, about three fourths of Republicans are more likely to vote for him today than they were before all of this happened. Most are saying that they see this as politically motivated. So Donald Trump is putting out this message. You can count the number of times he says witch hunt, witch hunt, and people are buying it. Specifically his base. Now, that is not to say that independents and Democrats are buying it, but what we're focused on right now is the Republican base because that's what's going to dictate the primaries. You know, and you have a great point. And I read earlier in the show the polling data that shows Donald Trump actually moved up six points after yeah. the indictment. And as far as unfavorability rating, he's at 31% in the latest poll, but so is Biden. Biden's at 31%. Biden doesn't have two criminal indictments and a combined charge docket of about 80 charges between the two cases. So you literally have this, I guess, victim messaging that works with conservative voters. But there is something interesting that I think Donald Trump did early in his campaigning. He made his base okay with politically motivated prosecution. Because he ran on the platform of lock her up. Well, who is her? The political opponent. Well, that's called a political a prosecution if you actually get in there and do it. He also had a conversation with a foreign head of state trying to get that foreign head of state to investigate an American citizen. Um, so this individual has politicized the role so much that it has become normative. I don't think people care anymore about the narrative per se as it relates to classified documents. I'm talking about the folks that are going to vote for him no matter what. But you do have Pence in the race now. You got Chris Christie who is the one talking about that and more. You got some other folk. I believe DeSantis is in there. I believe that they are probably doing this because they think Trump doesn't make it past the Republican primary. What say you to that? I think you're right. I think there's a few candidates who are probably just trying to put themselves out there on the national stage for the first time and maybe are really running for vice president. I think there's a bunch of others that are hoping that that Trump is just going to go away and they're going to be able to rise from the ashes. Ashes specifically, I think Ron DeSantis is is the one that's hoping that the most. But what's interesting right now is there's not a whole lot of movement among anybody since they've made their announcements. Everybody's staying pretty much flat. DeSantis has lost a lot of support. I think that's in large part because he's made so much of his campaign about the culture wars. And that's yeah. not what Republicans want to hear about. Nine and 10 want to hear about the economy. So he's missing the boat entirely. Yeah, you, you make a good point again. Um, 
Donald Trump will talk about the economy. He just gets in the way of his own messaging, right? DeSantis, he doesn't talk about the economy at all. Uh, then Chris Christie, his message has been about how horrible Donald Trump is. Uh, and then Mike Pence, I mean, is Mike Pence really running for president? I mean, is he really running for president? All right, because I can't tell. Now, <laughs> you have a messaging dynamic. At the end of this, my prediction is you're gonna have three people standing. Um, those three people will be Trump if he makes it through the primary, uh, DeSantis and uh, Chris Christie. And I say Chris Christie because he has carved out a lane unique to everybody else. His lane is, I want to tap into the voters inside of the Republican Party and some um, individuals who are moderate, willing to vote in the Republican primary, like Georgia, you can do that without declaring. Uh, he wants those individuals and that's not a split base. Everybody else splits a base. Everybody else splits a very conservative yeah. traditional base. DeSantis may start splitting some of that Trump base depend, depending on how the campaign goes. But no one has Chris Christie's lane. Do you see it similar? Well, I do, but I also can't help but wonder if Chris Christie isn't the Republican sacrificial lamb out there mm -hmm. trying to take down Trump. He is swinging hard, and it, we've we've seen this before. It is impossible to take Donald Trump down. Down. That's why they call him Teflon Don. And so, when you're running against him, it's really, really difficult. So the question is, are they doing this so that somebody else can take all the hits and let somebody else more optimistic? stay pure. So I'm really interested about uh, Tim Scott. Now, he has a totally different lane. He's very, very optimistic. He is a true conservative, but his in his America, America always has been and always will be great. He tells amazing stories, he's a very, very different candidate. But if he was to start taking hits at Trump directly, it would be so out of character for him. But when you look at consideration of the candidates, you haven't seen polling if you had to vote tomorrow change that much. But consideration of Tim Scott has tripled since he announced. He's now got 21% of Republicans saying they would consider him. So I think he's somebody interesting to watch. He does have a unique lane. Chris Christie, I'm not sure, is he really running or is he running against? Ms. Lee Carter, I gotta say this, all right. Um, you really think Republicans are going to vote for Senator Tim Scott to be the leader of their party and this country? You really believe that? I believe it's possible. I do. Right. It's a long way away. I think he's got a lot of the elements that people are looking for. I think a lot of people are tired of the angst and the rhetoric yeah. that is so, so negative. And he is somebody that's very different. Now, I know we all say we want to hear more optimism and want to hear more happiness and all of this. In the end, our eyes can't seem to get off the chaos. But I, I think he is one to watch. If anyone can do it, I think maybe he can. That is so interesting. You know, Republicans play with black conservative candidates and make them number one for a period of time. You look at the history. Hell, Alan Keyes was polling in double digits when he was running for president. They knew good and damn well they weren't going to give it to Alan Keyes. They did the same thing with Herman Cain. Herman Cain was number one. Herman Cain was polling number one in the Republican primary for about two weeks, right? So they do that with black candidates routinely. They never make it to the end, dear sister. They never make it to the end. It's always <laughs> kind of a bump in the road somewhere. Now, Tim Scott, he does have a unique campaign. His style is optimistic, good for him. But he refuses to address the reality of racism even inside of his own party. It's racism in both. But he refuses to address the racism inside of his own party. There are individuals who are just as antithetical to him 
in the Republican Party as they would be to me in the Democratic Party. So unless there's some, I don't know, magic wand to make these people forget about their own historical biases. I don't see Tim Scott making it as a last man standing because of the sentiment and the personality that has permeated in the Republican Party of late. What say you? Well, look, I, I, I see what you're saying. There's a lot of candidates who have, have had a, a surge and then gone by the wayside. Look at Ben Carson as well. Yep. I think Tim Scott is different because he's not denying that racism is real. He's saying, I don't want to define ourselves by it. He's saying this isn't what we should. I, I don't want I, I don't want the story to be that I am the exception. I want this to be the rule. So I think he's trying mm. to change the narrative. And but Ms. Carter, Ms. Carter, in all due respect, if it's not true, it's not true. Uh, the, the truth is, we're talking statistically, the truth is we have to be honest about how race plays out in social context. Because if we don't, we can't solve it. We can never resolve what we fail to acknowledge. And while he is promoting this positivity as a campaign style, it lacks the necessary prowess required to attack it and fix it. So I'm glad that he has a positive outlook on life, but that doesn't put food in the mouth of those who are poor, nor does it give a black kid access to college who deserves it. You have to address these things head on by actually being willing to talk about the problem. Do you not agree? You know, there was a there was another candidate who was criticized for the very same thing. And his his theme was hope and change. And people wanted to hear more teeth and more specifics. And he ended up going all the way to the White House, not just once, but twice. So I think there is an appetite uh, for this kind of sorry rhetoric and a change in direction. Yeah, but President Obama also talked about systemic racism. President Obama also talked about why he was candidate Obama, the racism in his own family. Racism when he became a senator, policies that contribute to the downfall, continued lack that exists in urban communities. So while he had a very positive campaign, you are correct. He also contextualized properly some of the problems that needed social remedy through our government policies. Miss Carter, we gotta have you back. Good to have you on the Hi. program. You made a good case for Senator Scott. I gotta say, he needs to hire you if he has not already done so, all right? Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always, indisputable.